Act Two of Mrs. Pretty and the Premier by Arthur Adams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two Scene The living room at Wyanora Homestead is a big room with parquet floor comfortably furnished with big chairs covered with flowered chintz. No pictures are on the walls, which are devoted to well-filled bookcases. There is a grand piano, tables littered with illustrated papers, magazines, photographs, and vases waiting, empty, for flowers. Tall stand lamps light the room in the evening. At present, however, as it is the bright forenoon of the following day, the illumination of the room comes from two big French windows at the back, opening out on a broad veranda, beyond the balustrade of which there is a glimpse of garden and a distant blue range of low hills. There are doors, on the right opening from the hall, and on the left leading to another room. Near at hand, there is a big open fireplace with settees. Mrs. Kuzak, an aristocratic-looking old lady, is sitting, reading an illustrated paper. She yawns, rises, and strolls about the room, Prominent among the many photographs is one of William Power. She takes it up with surprise and scrutinizes it with evident aristocratic disapproval. Helen Pretty, in a charming simple morning dress, enters from the veranda. She is carrying a great bunch of wattle, which she proceeds to arrange in the vacant vases about the room while talking to Mrs. Cusack. <sighs> Lovely, isn't it, Mrs. Cusack? I always say there's no wattle like the Wyonora wattle. Helen, noticing the portrait in Mrs. Cusack's hand. Oh, the premier. I suppose you put it in this prominent position to flatter the inordinate vanity of the great man. Now he's honouring you with a visit. A strong face, don't you think, Mrs. Cusack? I can't imagine, my dear, what you mean by having this man here. I know I shouldn't criticise, but I'm an old woman and an old friend, and I never thought that Wyonora would have a labour agitator for its guest. I always thought him a great, big, hungry ogre, and when I saw him yesterday, I confess he disappointed me. He didn't want to eat me at all, though he'd rather like to gobble up my estate. I found him most interesting. So you brought him here to dangle at your skirts, and you just engaged. I may be rude. I have a name for being rude. But what does Mr. Harrington think of this escapade? Mr. Harrington? I mean Vernon. <laughs> you see, I'm so new to being engaged that I haven't accustomed myself to calling him by his Christian name. Vernon hasn't been consulted. I'll tell him when he arrives. He's driving over for lunch. I sometimes think, Helen, that you forget that you're a very pretty woman. <laughs> I hope I shall never forget that. But Mr. Power is safe. He's armoured all over. By his vanity? No, by his bigness. He's a strong man. Hm. By the way, where is the strong man? Helen, indicating the door. In there, working hard. I haven't seen him yet. I heard his motor arrive this morning, a loud, democratic motor that woke me up at a most democratic hour. He motored up in the night. 
doesn't he ever sleep <laughs> they say the only chance he gets is in the house when he's being attacked by the opposition he always drops off when vernon is speaking but who's he got in there with him only his secretary and the typewriter girl my dear has he the impudence to bring his harem with him harem startled dropping some of the waddle that girl nonsense he has to travel with his staff like royalty oh no this is practically a private visit if it was a political one he'd bring half a dozen secretaries then it's merely as your guest that he's here oh i'd like him merely as a guest but as it happens there is a teeny little bit of business mixed up in it then it's true that he wants to steal this place from you and give it to the cockies and the unemployed i'm afraid he still has that idea then why i see you're going to persuade him to let me off persuade how i'll just be nice to him how nice you've reminded me that i'm a pretty woman then permit me to remind you that you are engaged to mr harrington that's why i must hurry this is my last chance you're going to flirt with that man no i shall play fair i shall appeal to his common sense you'd have more chance helen if you'd appeal to his common heart it's to save wyanora you may have to pay too big a price he's not the sort of man you get anything for nothing from flirtation is very well and you do it charmingly but with one of your own class remember this man does not know the rules ah he's safe i found that out when i saw him in town yesterday he's a mere machine all cogwheels oh a very strong and efficient machine why when i went to see him he never even noticed my dress or my new hat he hasn't got a heart he's got a dynamo he's just an elemental force like a thunderstorm take care helen that you're not caught in that thunderstorm powers voice is heard raised threateningly in the next room listen it's growling now oh i can always run to shelter that's what vernon is for but mr power is quite safe my dear you seem to have found out a great deal about mr power in your one meeting with him i saw him twice i spent most of the night before last in his private office helen <laughs> quite an adventure mrs cusack i called and waited all the afternoon in the lobby to see him but he never came then as there was nobody about i went into his room to wait i was very tired and you know i had been travelling all the previous night without a wink of sleep so i plopped into a big comfortable armchair behind a tall screen these premiers do themselves remarkably well and dropped off and i slept till after two o'clock in the morning uh -huh. and i wouldn't have wakened then if the premier hadn't clumsily knocked over the screen 
gracious the premier was he there all the time he had been working there since ten o'clock that evening he was almost as much surprised as i was <laughs> it shows anyhow that i don't snore and then oh, he behaved like a perfect gentleman no took me out and put me in a cab and sent me home oh but did anybody see you at that hour of course not thank heaven but if they had <laughs> it would have looked rather compromising wouldn't it but we could have explained my dear it doesn't sound very convincing to me i don't wonder the whole thing was too absurd and mr power did he no he didn't kiss me not even in the dark he didn't even try and i've been wondering why ever since helen oh i wouldn't have let him but surely any man would have tried it's hardly a compliment to me is it i'm afraid i must be going off and it would have given just that little emotional touch that the situation lacked but possibly it never occurred to him he's not a man he's a machine but you'd think that even a machine would sometimes be wound up wouldn't you hm. of course it is your duty to tell mr harrington helen moving up to the french window if mr power had taken advantage of me i should have felt bound to tell vernon but as he didn't i couldn't possibly tell him vernon would think he had oh there he is coming up the garden i think you're wise helen mr harrington mightn't believe your absurd story any more than i do i'll run away and leave you to your fiance oh don't go but mrs cusack does vernon harrington enters through the french window he is a man well preserved sleek and well groomed his features are carefully masked a man of passions quelled but not quenched and cold of eye Vernon, you're early. I was impatient to see you again, Helen. She submits to his proprietary kiss. How charming you're looking, dearest. Holding her face between his hands. There's such a light in your eyes. You are glad to see me. <laughs> of course. Escaping from him. Oh, Vernon, don't. Somebody might see. There's nobody here but Mrs. Cusack and the servant, and they don't matter but i've got another visitor indeed but we don't want anybody else do we i should have thought that you'd have kept everybody else away who is the intruder mr power not the premier yes what is he doing here i asked him up when i saw him in town yesterday but why he works so hard doesn't he i thought he was looking a little run down but you don't know him why we got on quite nicely together and i confess i rather like him though to say that one likes a premier is rather like admitting a friendship with an avalanche he struck me as rather avalanchey helen do you mean to say that you've invited him up here as your guest why shouldn't i there silly boy that wasn't my only reason i wanted to talk business business 
Oh, about Wyanora? Yes. Sitting. He seemed to be impressed by my arguments. He decided to come up here and inspect the estate itself, before finally deciding whether it was suitable for closer settlement. And you really think that you can influence Bill Power? My dear Helen, he has made up his mind, and when Bill Power makes up his mind... Yet he accepted my invitation, jumped at it. He's playing with you. I don't know what his game is, but you've laid yourself open to a snub, Helen. I feel hurt, deeply hurt, that you didn't consult me before rushing into this harebrained scheme. But it only flashed upon me when I saw him in town, and he arrived here at some unearthly hour this morning and had his breakfast in his room and started making speeches to his typewriter girl immediately after, shut up in that room. I haven't even seen him yet. You haven't seen him? Good. What do you mean? I'll see him. But Vernon, I asked him up here to see me. He is your guest, of course. But in a business matter such as this, I am your representative. Ah, oh, but you'd spoil it all. It would be merely a political conference. But surely I... Vernon, dear, when I accepted you, I didn't accept a business representative. I feel quite capable of managing this affair myself. How? You think you can convince power where I have failed? You've only used arguments. They never convince anybody, not even politicians. And what will you use? My eyes. You're going to... Exactly. It's the only way. If it's possible to flirt with a block of granite, I'm going to flirt with Mr. Power. But no decent woman would use those weapons. They're the only weapons nature has provided us with. But that is a dangerous game for a woman to play. It's the only game you let us women play. And all's fair in love and politics. And this is which? Ah, uh, I can't tell yet. Probably a teaspoonful of each. I'm afraid, Helen, I must forbid this mad scheme. Helen, quickly jumping up. Uh, forbid? I cannot allow my future wife to bring herself in contact with that man. Can't allow? Vernon, you adopt that tone to me? Vernon, seeing he has gone too far. I beg your pardon. Helen, carrying it off with a smile. Oh, you big stupid. Do you know what's the matter with you? With me? You're jealous. Yes actually jealous you think i'm in love with mr power in love with him nonsense you're engaged to me aren't you but the ludicrous possibility has just occurred to me that power is in love with you ludicrous why shouldn't a nice clean man fall in love with me you did yourself do you really think so wouldn't that be exciting but no, it's impossible. Why, Mr. Power never even offered to... To what? Uh, to compliment me on my new hat. He never even noticed that I had a hat on. 
You wanted him to? Any woman would. That's why we wear hats. Goodness knows they aren't of any other use. There. You see, he is not a man. Now just leave this little worrying business in my hands. But I'm just looking forward to it. Then, Helen, I can only say... Helen, putting her hand to his mouth. Shh, shh, shh. Don't say it, please. Why, why, it's almost a quarrel. Our first quarrel. And we're just engaged. Dear, let us kiss and be friends. Mm, there. When we're married, I'll be a good, meek little girl and do as I'm told. But... Charles Lucan is shown in by a maid. Mr. Lucan, ma'am, to see Mr. Harrington. Ah, uh, Lucan, you wanted to see me. On urgent business, sir. Helen, this is Mr. Lucan, the representative of the Tribune. Mrs. Pretty. How are you? I suppose it's politics. I'll run away. But I expect you to stay to lunch, Mr. Lucan. Thank you, Mrs. Pretty. Helen goes out. What's the matter, Lucan? The Tribune has got hold of some important private information, something we can't publish yet, but something the editor thinks you should know. Damaging to the labour crowd? Immensely. Go on. Power's voice is heard, a great roar of laughter in the room outside. Lucan, startled. What's that? It can't be. Yes, it's the premiere. Here? In the enemy camp, he's here on business, inspecting the estate. Lucan, lowering his voice, with a look at the door. What I have to tell you, Mr. Harrington, concerns the Premier, personally. I shouldn't like him to catch me here with you, sir. I see. Come into the garden. He leads the way, and together they exit through the French window and disappear, talking, into the garden. William Power enters, followed by Dix. Well, that's finished. There's nothing else important, is there? Dix, with open notebook, reading. Um... Run over the list. Those appointments to that Royal Commission, sir. Postpone them. The Secretaries of State urgent cable. Keep the Secretary of State waiting. Does these English Johnnies good. Keeps them awake. Inspect Wyonora. Did that in the motor last night? See, Mrs. Pretty. Ah, I knew there was something I'd forgotten. Important, too. Dix, make that the first order of the day. Shall I tell her that you wish to see her, sir? Yes. No. I don't know how to begin. I must work up my speech. Speech, sir? I'm going to propose to her. You don't imagine I can marry her without proposing. Draft me a proposal. To a widow. Love. Respect, devotion to the public, uh, I mean, devotion to the widow, you know the sort of thing. I'm afraid, sir, I couldn't draft that sort of speech. Why, aren't you my private secretary? What do I keep you for? Haven't you ever proposed to a widow? Can't you draft a simple proposal? Not a proposal of marriage, sir. Power, vexed, at a loss, then calls. Ah, Miss Bim! Effie Bim enters. Miss Bim, you've been in love? Dozens of times, sir. Any proposals? Fifteen. Good. 
Just jot me down a precy of the points made by your fifteen admirers when proposing. The points that specially appealed to you. I'm afraid, sir, what most appealed to me could not be expressed in words. In fact, it wasn't words. But no, sir, the subject is too sacred. I rejected them all, except the last one, and I haven't made up my mind about him unless he's more definite. And the whole fourteen went on something awful. Threatened never to kiss me again. Quite right, Miss Bim. I respect your womanly instincts. But you could tell me how they began. The opening address, eh? How did they lead up? Most of them just kissed me, sir. It seemed to give them confidence. But I couldn't possibly start like that. It's always done, sir, and a shoulder to lean on makes it so much more comfortable for the lady. In the last case, Mr. Dix... Dix makes a hopeless gesture. Dix? Yes, in the motor last night. But I was in the motor last night. Well, you were asleep. Well? Sir, I must protest. Such moments are sacred. I can't allow that, Dix. The personal feelings of individuals must not be considered when public affairs are at stake. To Effie. How did he begin? I know how he would have liked to begin, but you were lying between us, sir, with your feet up. He squeezed my hand. Power, making a mental note. Squeeze her hand. But he had to reach over my feet, eh? Oh, no, my hand happened to be over his side. Then he whispered, Ducky. Ducky? Ducky Dumpkins, I think it was. No, that was Charlie the 13th. Dumpkins? And he said he worshipped the very typewriter my pretty fingers played on. But Mrs. Pretty doesn't play on a typewriter. Mrs. Pretty? He wasn't proposing to her. I'd just like to catch him. If I thought he meant to, I believe I'd accept him. Calm yourself, Miss Bim. What did he say next? I couldn't hear. You snored. And then? That was all. It was the most unsatisfactory proposal I've ever had. Like tea without sugar. And in your opinion, as an experienced woman, fifteen, wasn't it? Was that an attractive proposal? Did your heart thrill to his impassioned words? Fat lot of good if it had. We were separated by your feet. We were worlds away. Besides, I love another. Dix, who has stood on tenterhooks listening, turning away with a sigh of relief and moving up to the French window. Ah. And hasn't this other proposed? Not yet, sir. He doesn't know. He is blind. Blind. I did have hopes yesterday, but now. Now. Now I know he loves another, and oh, Mr. Power, my heart is breaking. And I do so need a nice, cozy, manly shoulder to weep upon. She throws herself into Power's arms. Helen Pretty inopportunely returns. Oh, good morning, Mr. Power. Noticing Effie. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were busy. I'll go. No. Dix, remove this moist young woman. Dix removes her limp and sobbing form. Better mop her up. Take her into the garden and let her dry in the sun. Certainly, sir. To Effie. There, ducky. Come out into the garden and have a real good cry. I don't mind my suit. Anyway, I did weep in his arms. And that's more than any other woman has been able to say. Effie goes out triumphantly, supported by Dix. I feel I am keeping you from your work, Mr. Power. 
I never knew before a premier had so much to do. But, Mrs. Pretty, I particularly wished to talk to you. Helen, looking out at the garden. No, that's too bad. I thought those poor things had the garden to themselves. They need it, don't they? And there's Mr. Harrington and that reporter man there, too. A reporter? Why, that's Lucan of the Tribune. Yes, he said he had some important news for Mr. Harrington. I left them here. Politics, I suppose. That's the only thing you men think important. But it does seem important, doesn't it? Look at Mr. Harrington. I've never seen him so excited. Not even when he... Power returning. Working up here. And confiding in Harrington. I've no time to lose. He's told him. Told him what? Something, Mrs. Pretty, that makes it imperative for me to speak. About my poor estate? You've decided. No, it's not about why, Nora, but a much more serious subject. It's about... Uh, a woman. A woman? The woman I've decided to marry. Oh, that pretty little typewriter girl you carry around with you? Who wept so picturesquely on your shoulder? Well, why don't you? Anybody can see she's in love with you. Miss Bim in love with me? Head over her pretty Cuban heels. But I'm old enough to be a father. So was my poor husband. But the modern girl doesn't want a mere husband. She likes someone who has sufficient experience to settle down to remain a husband. Even the flapper distrusts any hair that isn't slightly grey. But what could Miss Bim find the love in me? Perhaps it was your shoulder. It looks such a comfortable shoulder to weep upon. She never gave me the least cause to suspect. <laughs> on the two occasions I've seen you together, she's done nothing all the time but tell you. She never said a word. I heard her quite distinctly. Every look she gave you shouted it. But men are so deaf. Why, for all you know, I might be in love with you. You? Oh, I can understand that little girl's infatuation. You're so big and burly and stupid. Mrs. Pretty, you make it easier for me. Would you kindly sit down? Helen, amused, sitting. Thank you. Power, drawing himself up as if about to make a speech to his constituents. There comes a time, ladies, uh, I mean, Mrs. Pretty, when uh, the exigencies of uh, life insist upon that which, ah, uh, no. What I was about to observe, Mr. Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, is that a premier is, after all, a servant of the people. His life, private as well as public, should be in accordance with the social and democratic life of this favoured community. He should march shoulder to shoulder with the... that, that is to say, with the husband he should... <laughs> Why... You're making a political speech to poor me. Am I? 
Well, you see, they're the only sort of speeches I can make. Do you know, they rather bore me. Do they? Ah, uh, Mrs. Pretty, has it ever occurred to you that beneath this devotion of mine to the public welfare, this sacrifice of my life to the incessant demands of the progressive amelioration of humanity, there might be... He suddenly drops his laboured speech and becomes natural. Mrs. Pretty, will you marry me? Marry you? But, you dear, foolish man, don't you know I'm engaged to marry Mr. Harrington? I didn't ask you if you were engaged. I asked you to marry me. Mr. Power, if this is a joke, I consider it in excessively bad taste. A joke? I was never more serious in my life. But the thing is absurd. You, a marrying man. There's no law against getting married, is there? Yes, one. Well, tell me and I'll rush through a bill to amend it. Not even a registrar can marry a man who hasn't got the lady's consent. You mean that you don't, uh, love me? Love you, Mr. Power. And I just engaged to Mr. Harrington. I haven't begun even to analyze my sentiments toward you. We've practically just met. If you want me to humor you in this farce, I'll admit that I find you an interesting type. As long as you don't make speeches at me or ask me to marry you. And I confess that I admire you. Well? But even if I did love you, which of course I don't, it is usual for the gentleman to be in love with the lady. Haven't I asked you to marry me? Anybody could do that, but he ought to have some excuse. Love is the usual one. Love? I've had no time for love, Mrs. Pretty. In my life there's been no room for women. I've had a life of ceaseless struggle. I ran away from home to the gold diggings when I was only a kid. I worked. I never found any gold. But there are plenty of opportunities for a willing chap on the diggings. Before I was sixteen, I was getting the man's wages and earning them. I saved my money. I never drank. And the women I was thrown into contact with had no attractions for me. Well, I got on. At last the chance came to start a store in a new rush. Luck was with me. Luck has always been with me. That rush became a mining township. And as it grew, my business grew. There were big profits to be made in those days. Honest profits, too. And when civilization came along, it found me a rough, uncouth, uneducated young man. Prosperous in a small way but nothing but a country storekeeper. But even then there was in me a vague and vast ambition. I had sense enough to see what was wanting in me and set to work to implant it. I began to educate myself, and you don't know how far down I had to start. I could not speak without dropping my H's. I could not write a single letter. But I said to myself that if I could make money, I could make myself. And all that time, do you think I could spare a moment for women and love? 
what was there in this ignorant rough young man for any woman to love but at twenty-six i found the ladder by which i was to climb and when i was elected a member of parliament for that rough mining constituency not because i could make speeches but because the miners trusted me and i had grown up among their ideals then i had sense enough to tell myself that so far i was only on the lowest rung of the ladder i entered parliament a rough mining member knowing the needs of my community but unable to express them i was laughed at by the tony members who had been to the universities i became the butt of the whole house time or inclination then to fall in love i saw that i hadn't begun my schooling i went to a tutor and learned grammar and arithmetic and history i found out the uses of libraries so i slogged in making myself over night after night and in between i made more money and gradually the house learnt that i was something better than a laughing stock they found i could hit back and hit hard they began to see that behind my crudities i meant something and meant to get somewhere and my constituency believed in me and returned me again and again and all the time the greater constituency of labour was growing and it too believed in me so in the ranks of labour and in the ranks of the house i gradually forced myself forward helped by nothing but my personality driven on solely by my convictions and my curbed and secret ambition no one but myself dreamed that the day was so near when labour would rule the land time for women then time for sentiment and then the moment i had worked for came and lifted me into the premiership time to relax then time to become acquainted with a sex i had so long ignored time to learn to love more work crowded in on me forced me back to the desk chained me night and day time for women then time even to understand them time for love no helen who has listened with growing interest i understand and i sympathize i guessed something of this else i would not have forgiven you for asking me to marry you when you knew i was engaged but even if i weren't sufficiently a woman to want to be wooed i must tell you that though you have been able to bludgeon your way to the premiership you can't bludgeon your way into marriage i am afraid after all that you're only fit to be a premier power formally mrs pretty i ask you for your hand helen rising and giving him her hand my hand certainly you may hold it without prejudice for two minutes but remember there's a ring already on it yes you can squeeze it if you like he does so making her wince thanks but on one condition power suddenly cautious conditions eh yes that you give up your mean scheme to take wyonora away from me power dropping her hand mrs pretty you're talking business why weren't you power after a pause and it's no use then i had better go 
you were really in earnest you really thought that i an engaged woman would seriously consider a proposal from you you actually took it for granted that i would listen to you well you did do you know why no perhaps it was merely a woman's curiosity but no it was because i felt a certain sympathy with you i was grateful for what you did for me the night before last but i didn't do anything that's why a man less honourable would have done what taken advantage of the extremely compromising position in which i had placed myself to attempt to kiss me to kiss you mrs pretty never occurred to me there and it didn't occur to you to disbelieve my story it never struck you that i an unknown woman might have taken that means to force myself upon you after all my story didn't sound very believable even to myself surely it wasn't all a trick no it couldn't be of course not but you accepted my bare word the word of a stranger and a woman you did not even attempt to see my face nor ask my name i was grateful for that so when you asked me to marry you i didn't get up and go miss bim was right she said her proposals and she'd had fifteen always started with a kiss curious most no all of my proposals started the same way when you've got over this disappointment if it is a disappointment and you see some nice woman brought up to be a premier's wife you might remember miss bim's advice i see i should have started by kissing you not at all perhaps you should have attempted to what have i attempted to i should have kissed you helen taken aback oh i believe you would well no harm's done and now i want your forgiveness for what for deliberately leading you on leading me on i assure you i never noticed it <sighs> you wouldn't but i confess i attempted to flirt with you i took advantage of your feeling for me to try and induce you to give up your scheme for resuming wyanora <sighs> but it didn't work you didn't know how to flirt i see you wanted to get something out of me that's why you came to see me that's why you were nice to me that's why you invited me up here my dear mrs pretty don't let that distress you i'm accustomed to that sort of thing since i've been premier i've come to the conclusion that there isn't a single disinterested man in the world now i see i must include women but i should have liked to think that you oh but i do lots and lots thank you i believe you well as you said no arms done let's shake hands you forgive me giving her hand thank you really i think you're rather a dear 
Power takes her hand, looking into her face. She uneasily drops her eyes. Impulsively, he puts his arm round her, and is on the point of embracing her. Vernon Harrington appears at the French window. Vernon pauses a moment in amazement, then strides forward, his arm raised. You! Power, swinging Helen aside protectively. Harrington! Vernon! Why didn't you come sooner? Vernon, with a sneer, white with passion. Or later? Mrs. Pretty is not to blame. She gave me not the least excuse nor encouragement. I apologize for my mad impulse, and now, if you'll allow me, I'll go. Not yet. Helen, I've just heard something that you'll be interested to hear. From Lurkin? Yes, and since Mrs. Pretty is your host, it is her duty to know. It can't matter now. Tell her. He turns, about to go. No, you wait and hear. As you please. Vernon, I don't want to hear. You must. That man whom you invited here as your guest was involved only the night before last in a painful scandal of the grossest kind. The night before last? Yes, though he bluffed Lucan from publishing the damning facts for a few days, Lucan felt it his duty to inform me as leader of the opposition. He told you in confidence, didn't he? Yes, but this is a matter that concerns you in your capacity of guest at Wyanor. Your hostess has a right to know the whole story. Oh, but I'd be delighted to hear the dreadful thing that Mr. Power did the night before last. I think not. One minute. Lucan. Lucan enters. Lucan, kindly repeat to Mrs. Pretty the statement you have just made to me. I hardly like... You see, it wasn't confidence. Go ahead, Lucan. It's simply this. I happened to catch Mr. Powett coming from his private room in the house in the early hours of yesterday morning with a woman. What sort of woman? What sort of woman would be coming from the man's rooms at that hour? It might be his sister, mightn't it? Or a charwoman? I admit the facts, but I have already explained them. Oh, your explanation. What was it? He said he didn't even know the lady's name. He had found her asleep behind a big screen. <laughs> it doesn't seem very likely, does it? Though there is a big screen in Mr. Power's room. I saw it myself. Oh, there's another explanation even more preposterous. Lurkin, you promised to withhold publication of your story for three days, on condition that I produce the woman. And you won't. I find I am unable to do so. You can publish the whole thing tomorrow. Really? Thank you, sir. I had better send a wire to the office at once. Surely there's no hurry, Mr. Lukin. I had expected you to stay to lunch. No, uh, there's no hurry. The whole story, explanations and all is set up, but it can't appear before the first edition tomorrow morning. All I have to do is to wire them it is okay, and by this time the Tribune will probably have the woman's name and her statement. <laughs> You'd never think it from the Tribune's editorials that it was so clever, would you? 
then you'll stay to lunch any time this afternoon will do for my wire thank you mrs pretty i'll wait in the garden lucan goes out i think i have shown you helen that mr power is fitted neither to be a premier nor your guest i do not intend to trespass further on mrs pretty's hospitality no mr power i couldn't think of letting you go without your lunch i insist on your staying thank you and now's i've got some work to do one moment please power pauses to vernon and what do you propose to do now i must wait till tomorrow then i'll expose him but the tribune will have done that not as well as i shall if you like you can make it public today today i am addressing a big meeting at three then i suppose you'll tell your meeting this savoury story yes and it will win you the by-election there can be no doubt about that but the woman what about the woman you'll expose her too oh she must take the consequences but you don't know whom she is not yet but i can trust the tribune to unearth her and you hope they'll find her so that you can crucify her for your politics and kill her reputation what's the reputation of one woman when so much is at stake no matter who she is no matter who she is even if she is innocent innocent that woman <laughs> that woman is no no yes to vernon that woman is me no impossible you yes it was me i i went to sleep behind the screen vernon with a savage snarl that story you expect me to believe that oh of course you'll back your partner up it's the only thing left for you to do it's a pity you didn't decide between you on a better story you you don't believe me believe you i believe you spent the evening in that man's room but asleep behind the screen nobody would believe you nobody not even the man i am engaged to marry him least of all oh vernon you i find you here in that man's arms and you think i'm fool enough to believe it was for the first time barrington take that back take it back or all oh i believe you politely sneering i believe you both your explanation is so satisfactory that that i have no further doubts vernon i'm afraid that i can't stay to lunch mrs pretty vernon you can't mean mrs pretty i must say good-bye not good-bye good-bye vernon without any further leave-taking goes out helen stands thunderstruck staring after him the realization of her dismissal slowly dawns on her she glances down at her right hand and stares at her engagement ring slowly she draws it off and drops it mechanically into a bowl of wattle with a long sigh then she contemplates her finger again miserably power stands waiting staring straight out not seeing her helen after a long look at him 
shrugs her shoulders and moves toward him. <sighs> Mr. Power, you don't love me. No. But you asked me to marry you. Why? It was forced on me. Forced on you? Lurkin saw us coming from my room. He threatened to print the story and the damning interpretation he put on it. He refused to believe my plain statement, so to prevent him, I told him that the woman was my wife. Your wife? Don't you see a man's wife would be the only woman whose presence at that hour could give rise to no scandal? But then you told him that you didn't even know who I was. No, it was pure bluff. At least it would have given me three days. I got him to withhold publication for three days with the promise that I would produce the woman, my wife, within that time. Ah, I see. You did it to shield me, to save that unknown woman's reputation. Mr. Power, that is a thing for which every woman would honour you. And I, I thank you. No, I am not that sort of man. I never gave a thought to you. Oh. You have been frank with me, and all the time I have not been frank with you. I decided to marry that unknown woman. To save her reputation? No, to save my own. Your reputation? But a man's reputation doesn't matter in affairs of this sort. A man's doesn't, but a premier's does. I had to gain time to delay the publication of that libel to the by-election was won. I thought I could find the woman and marry her. You see, I knew nothing of women. And now the story will be published tomorrow, and we'll lose the by-election. And of course, when this comes out, I shall have to resign the premiership. Resign? Step down after you have climbed so high. I couldn't keep a party behind me with the reputation I shall have tomorrow. That means that the government will be defeated and... and Mr. Harrington... He'll make an excellent premier. So you did it all in a desperate effort to save yourself. And my party? Oh, you are your party. Then it was all selfish. This world, Mrs. Pretty is mostly for itself and i am merely a politician no hero and so having shown you what i am i can only apologize for my mad intrusion into your life and go <laughs> that's so like a man selfish yes because you're a man and like a man you have never thought of me you yes have you forgotten the shameful scene you witnessed just now you saw mr harrington break off his engagement with me you saw him wound and scorn me you saw him utterly shame me coming impulsively to him i shall not lift up my beaten head again unless unless what unless you marry me marry you but you've already refused me Helen, with an almost hysterical laugh. <laughs> you should always ask a woman twice. You forget that when I was bound, I was engaged to Mr. Harrington. You saw what came of that. Well, I'm a free woman again, 
a bitterly shaken woman a humble woman so mr power there is no obstacle in your way if if you'll only ask me again no i could not do that you mean to sacrifice yourself for me i thank you for it but i could not so ruin your life but it is not myself i am sacrificing it is you i ask to make the sacrifice desperately mr power i ask you to marry me you mean it but why why oh don't ask why don't ask anything just just take me in your big strong arms and and comfort a little child that's got the miserables <laughs> you poor little baby yes he takes her gently in his arms though she expects it he does not kiss her i see we too that's the only thing left for us to do helen through her tears <laughs> there i feel better already what a comfortable shoulder you've got and i'm sure it isn't padded bill yes mrs pretty the man i'm engaged to usually call me helen well helen bill i've got an idea i think being engaged rather stimulates the brain don't you bill marry me to-day please said i this afternoon don't you see being engaged doesn't seem to stimulate you you promise to produce your wife within three days well produce her now power suddenly alert and dish harrington in the tribune after all no don't move stay where you are you might get some more ideas i see if we're married this afternoon then harrington can't say a word at this meeting tonight and the poor old tribune can't print a line that's why but bill dear could we be married in such a hurry i arranged all that yesterday the moment you had left helen releasing herself arranged it oh dick's fixed it up with the nearest registrar just in case you accepted me you know oh, you do rush things bill mm but i like you for it so you knew all along i'd have you i was as sure you'd marry me yesterday as i was sure you wouldn't ten minutes ago i might change my mind again that's why i suggested us getting married this afternoon come i must introduce you to lucan oh, but mr lucan knows me only one of you i want to introduce him to two other people the mysterious woman and my wife hmm, he's out in the garden he couldn't possibly see us here power unconscious of her wish to be kissed that's why we must go to him they go out into the garden mrs cusack enters she is surprised to find the room deserted she goes up to the french windows and looks out helen on the premier's arm and harrington driving away like a man possessed through the other french window to that at which mrs cusack stands dix and effie bim enter hand in hand another pair 
She goes. It's a lovely garden, isn't it? I'd like a garden like that for our house, Herbert. But I think Bill might have had the decency to leave the garden to us. Do you know, Herbert, there was a time when I was just a teeny bit attracted by Mr. Power. Him? Why, he must be forty. And fancy him being caught so easily by that designing creature, Mrs. Pretty. I can't for the life of me see what he can see in her. Why, she must be nearly thirty. And a widow. Here they come. Quick, come into this room. I haven't kissed you on the left ear yet. Then I can't understand how you managed to miss it. They fly. Power and Helen re-enter. <laughs> Wasn't he surprised and disappointed? Never even congratulated us. Do you know, Bill, you've got a duck of a chin? Have I? But if we're going to be married this afternoon, I must finish up my work. Work? Now? Oh, there's always work for a premier. But we're just engaged, Bill. That's what's wasted the time. All the preliminaries. I'll be finished in time for lunch. He goes into the other room. <sighs> I thought I was getting a husband, and all I've got is a premier. Mrs. Kuzak returns. Well, Helen, can you explain what happened? I've broken off my engagement with Mr. Harrington, and I'm going to marry Mr. Power this afternoon. Helen, was it necessary for you to go to such lengths merely to prevent Wyanora being taken from you? Wyanora? Why, I've forgotten all about Wyanora. Then... Hasn't Mr. Power promised not to steal it? Oh, I clean forgot to ask him. Then why... Why are you going to marry the Premier? The usual reason, Mrs. Cusack. Because I love him. I fell in love with him at first sight, behind the screen, at two o'clock in the morning. But how did you know? How do I know? My dear Mrs. Cusack, I'm a widow, and I'm head over heels in love with the great, big, burly, silly baby. A gong sounds. That's lunch. Helen, running toward the door. Bill, dear. Bill. Billykins. The gong's gone for the wedding breakfast. Curtain. End of Act Two.